Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Yes. Thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning being here to come and worship the Lord. We thank God for all His goodness and all His blessings and all His yes. grace today. Like we're going to talk about His promises today. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. And the title of our sermon is Ask... Seek and knock. So Matthew chapter 7. So we're back to normal this week. We're back to normal. We're back to our verse by verse. Going through the word of God. Like we do every Sunday morning back in Matthew. We had our resurrection Sunday last week. And thanks be to God for his resurrecting from the dead. And even yeah. giving us the opportunity to have new life. And that's something we ever can we can never stop thinking about. It's something we can never stop being thankful about. Amen. 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 That Christ Jesus rose from the dead and and offers eternal life and, and not only that we can have hope now, but we can have hope for all eternity too. And that's what that last Sunday is all about. And that's what I don't know about you, but every Sunday, every day of my life, I want to celebrate the fact that what Jesus did for us. Yes. So we're back in the amazing teaching of Christ on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is tackling the next godly topic of asking, seeking, and knocking. So if we are all there, Matthew chapter 7, let's read verse 7 through 12. And it'll prepare us off to kick off our teaching. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want man to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Wow is all I can say after reading that section of scripture. Wow. Today we have another one of those sections of scripture, though sadly, that people really easily take out of context. Especially the first thing that Christ says to us, ask and it will be given to you. Notice Jesus never says here what the it is that will be given to you. All depends on who you ask and who you talk to is about the what the it is that Jesus talks about. I believe throughout the whole Bible that these things are, he's talking about here, are Jesus telling us that they are relating to holy Jehovah God, his son Jesus Christ, and getting to know who he is and the provision that he has for us now, and about the eternity he wants to have with us forever. I'll explain as we go. But first, this section of scripture is really exciting to me. Because of the simple fact that Jesus Christ tells people, mankind as a whole, that we can even come to holy Jehovah God in these three ways is just awesome. Yes. It's just awesome. We can ask God about things we are in need of and we can receive them. We can seek God or search for God and who he is and we can find him. And we can knock on the door of God's house and he will let us in. Now, if that doesn't excite you, that Jesus gives and God gives that ability. He gives that, he, he throws it out there for everybody to have. Wow is all I can say. That's kind of why I started out the sermon with that. Wow is all I could say. God didn't have to do anything. He could have seen God in our mess that we're in now. And he could have just let us go. He didn't have to give us any promises. He didn't have to tell us that we could have anything. But yet, the love of God, this section of scripture really shows me. It just shows me the depth of how much 
God really loves his people. So let's go through and break down this section verse by verse and look what we can learn about what Christ says to us about these things. So verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. As I read verses 7 and 8, two words come to my mind when I read. Two words just popped into my mind, and they are faithfulness and promise. When you look at those two verses, I see faithfulness and promise. Jesus is telling us that God is faithful and makes promises to people. He says, ask and it will be given to you. That's a promise. That's a promise. Jesus is saying, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be opened to you. And then in verse 8, here's where the faithfulness comes in. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened to you. It's He's guaranteeing. He's putting a promise. If you exercise these three things, if you ask, if you seek, and if you knock, these things will be given to you. These things you will... I'm giving you something if you do these things. Something will be there for you if you do and if you exercise these three things that I'm telling you that you could do. It's a promise. If we approach God and ask, we will receive. If we seek God, we will find him. And if we knock on the door of God's house, it will be opened to us. Again, these are promises that God gives to mankind. The Bible is full of promises. God is so loving. It's a miracle that he would even desire to give promises to anybody. We certainly don't deserve them at all. We're filthy, rotten sinners and deserving of nothing. And I just think that's so cool. Isn't God awesome? Amen? Amen. 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 Also in verse 8, we see who the promises go to. It's easy to look, you know, look at the section and everything and kind of skip little things like this, but we see who these promises to go to. I believe, by what we read here, and I'll show it to you, and I'll prove it to you actually, that these promises are for everyone. All mankind, all creation. You might be saying to yourself, now come on, Pastor Ed, wait a minute now. Down verse below, down 9, 10, and 11, we have Jesus using an analogy of father and a son. These promises are for God's chosen people, or they're for those that are saved already, those that are walking with God, those that are the saved of God. Now, that's, that's who these promises are. If, the, if those that are saved, if we do this, then, then, then we'll get those promises, then we'll get those things. So I would say... Is God not the father of all created beings? Is God did God not make you? If you if he makes someone, he becomes their father in the flesh, not talking about in the spiritual. And who did God make according to the flesh but everybody? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. God made all mankind, making him the father of human beings. Okay, so yes, I understand that. But how do you know it's everybody? So what did Jesus say for the first word in verse 8? Look at it. Second word, excuse me. Verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone. So maybe that word everyone doesn't mean everyone. So we went to the concordance. And the Greek word in the concordance, in the concordance is the word pas. And it's defined as individually. Each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything, collectively, some of all types. So who does Jesus give these promises to? To each, every, any, all, the whole of mankind, like the definition just said. And God is the father of all creation. 
Whether somebody decides to live for Satan or decides to live for God, God still made that person. Satan can't make people. God makes people. When a husband and wife come together and they have a child, the father is the one, the father of the child, because the father is involved in making the child. God made humanity. God is the father of all creation. He wants to be people's spiritual fathers, but he is the father of all created people. God is awesome, and he never stops amazing me. So let's read verses 9 through 11. And I have two points to make there, two pretty, pretty big points. He says, he goes on to say, Or what man is there among you who, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So what we're going to do now is we're going to go through and we're going to talk about and look at the ask, and it should be given you, the seek, and you shall find, and the knock, and the door will be open to you. And so the very first thing I see in verse 9 is, I believe Christ is covering the first promise that he gave. Ask, and it will be given to you. I believe in these verses Jesus is clarifying the it in ask, and it will be given to you. People have twisted the it and made the it to really mean whatever they want to have. And if you read these verses, you know, look here. Ask and it will and it will be given to you. Well, really, I can put in there anything I want to put in there, but is it biblically correct? Is just because I throw something in there, is that something that Jesus is talking about? Ask and it will be given to you. These these days, especially these days, and it's worldwide, people have made kind of God a genie kind of figure. You know, I can just ask God whatever I want, and he'll just give it to me. Because, you know, hey, he says here, ask and it will be given to you. And then he says, verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. They use this partial verse and to mean whatever they want it to mean. If you ask, you'll receive it. You can have it. Uh, now, those things just happen to be, of course, millions of dollars, big mansions in Beverly Hills, all the, any kind of car that they want. Of course, all the things, the it's that they put in there are always, of course, multi, multi riches and wealth and anything and everything that you could ever want in your life. So, is that what Jesus was talking about? I believe that this instance is taking Jesus' words out of context. Jesus has given us in this section, in 9, 10, 11, he's given us an example of what kind of people are supposed to be asking for ask and it will be given you by he gives us you know if if your son asks for bread give him a stone ask for a fish he's talking about provisions and jesus does say don't forget in verse 11 that you then if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children so the heart of man is evil and if it was really meant that we would have whatever we wanted and it was whatever we wanted why do we have James 4, 1 through 4, saying, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covenant and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. And James goes on and says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So even James said there were people in his day that were asking and not receiving. And I'm sure that they were going on this Matthew verse, because I'm pretty sure by the time James wrote his epistle that this Gospel of Matthews was out. And people were asking, but they weren't receiving. What he's telling them is, ask, you ask to miss. You're asking for all these things just to pleasure you. You want these houses, you want these cars, you want all these millions of dollars, you want all this wealth and you want all these riches, but you want it only for yourself. You want it only to pleasure you. But, but I don't see it coming. How come Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you? And James is going, guys. Jesus gave contextually what he was wanting you to ask for. Not 
millions of dollars and great wealth and I want to be a king of the land. He's ask for provisions. Ask for things that you need, not things that you want. That's a big difference. Um, it's a huge heart condition as well. Why are you asking for anything that you're asking for from God? Have you asked for things and haven't gotten them? What's your heart condition behind it? Do you want those things just so you can have a better life, a more easy life? Do you want those things so that people can look at you more highly and say, oh, look at that guy, he's rich. Oh, I'd like to be like that guy. So real easily can this section of scripture be uh, twisted. So here are examples of biblical things that God says that we can ask for and we can ask in abundance and they're godly things and they're edifying things. God says we can ask to be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God says we can ask for other people to get saved. We can ask God and say, oh God, I love this, this so on and so forth. Please, Lord, I know they're not walking with you. Lord, I pray you'd woo them to you and I pray that you would save them. Please, God, save them. We can ask God for guidance. Oh, God, I just don't know what to do in this situation. Can you show me what to do in this situation? Please, Lord, help me to know. The Bible says in even the same book of James, we can ask for wisdom. God said, ask for wisdom and ask it without a doubting heart. For anybody that asks for wisdom, they'll receive. If you don't doubt. We can ask for spiritual gifts. Paul tells us in the Corinthians books that we can ask and we should desire and ask for spiritual gifts, the gifts of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of evangelism. God, God says we can ask for spiritual gifts because God wants us to have those things. We can ask God for healing. God is Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, excuse me. And we can have healing. Praise be to God. He can heal us. He's a great healer, Jehovah Rapha. We can ask for provisions, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide whatever it is we need. The great I am, Jesus calls himself in the New Testament. I am, I am, I am the great I am. I am whatever you need. We can ask for help. We can ask for strength. Uh, we, really, we, we can really ask for anything that accords with godliness. Anything that accords with godliness. But no, no, Lord, uh, I need that mansion. I, I need that mansion in, in Beverly Hills, Lord. Oh, man, that, that's really something I need, Lord. Oh, I just need that mansion in Beverly Hills. Oh, Lord, I need that new Porsche. Oh, Lord, give me that Lamborghini. Oh, Lord, oh, hallelujah, Lord, I need that Lamborghini. This is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus even says in the Lord's uh, in the Lord's prayer, Matthew six eleven, give us this day our daily bread. What is that? But what whatever you are needing that day. And am I saying that God can't give a million dollars to somebody or can't give a billion dollars to somebody? Absolutely not. He can. And if let's say you need that, let's say you are wanting to start an orphanage for God, or or let's say you're you're wanting to start a a, a place for homeless people to go to, and you need. You need uh, $500,000 to, you know, to help with buy the land or something or buy the, buy the house or something. Oh, Lord, you know, I'd like to do this for you. Please provide this for me. Well, the Lord, he's not going to say, oh, you, you know, you, you twisted, uh, wicked person. You're asking for $500,000. He's saying, what's your heart condition behind why you're asking for that money? Why are you asking for that provision? Are you asking for it for your pleasures, like James said? Or are you asking for it for the benefit of the kingdom of God? You have not because you ask not. You ask amiss. We can't ask amiss. And we got to make sure our heart conditions are right and ask and it will be given to you. Okay, why didn't Jesus say that here? Why didn't he go more in depth about it here? Well, didn't I say, uh, was it a, a month or so ago, that Jesus always didn't give all the different things that he wanted us to know. We had to dig and the Bible says, the Bible tells us as we dig more that that's not what God wants. This kind of genie mentality that people have come up with these days for God is not something that you even find one instance of in the Bible. There was a guy named Balaam in the Old Testament. And this king, Balak, came to him and he said, uh, Hey, I want you to come and I want you to do something for me. I want you to curse the Israelites. 
And Balaam said, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I can't do that. And, and Balak says, but I'll give, you, I'll give you a house full of gold. I'll give you riches. I'll give you honor. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you everything. And Balaam says, no, 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 I can't. But let me go ask God, and then I'll see what God says. And God told him no. So he comes back to Balak, and he says, hey, God said, no, I can't go. And Balak offers him more stuff. He says, well, I'll give you more stuff than that. I'll, 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 I'll pile it on. So Balaam says, you know, I don't think so. But, you know, let me go back and ask God again if he'll allow me to go with you, you know, to do what you want me to do. And he goes back to God and says, yeah, yeah, go ahead and go. So on the way, Balaam almost loses his life. Because God, in essence, speaks through a donkey, and the donkey says, hey, there was an angel in the roadway trying to kill you because the donkey kept knocking him off. And then God speaks to Balaam out of the mouth, and he says, didn't I tell you that I didn't want you to go? Why did you keep coming and asking me? Well, we know why. Balaam wanted the money. Balaam had a heart that he wanted those riches. Even though God told him no already, Balaam said, I'm going to keep asking and Balaam had the genie God mentality. Balaam said, I can go to God and I can keep asking him for all that wealth and all that riches. He wasn't wanting all those good things for the furtherment of the kingdom of heaven because what Balak wanted Balaam to do was go and destroy, speak a cursing on God's people. So he was going to get that money at the cost of the death and destruction of God's people. So in essence, it wouldn't even have been building up God's kingdom. It was going to be tearing down. God's kingdom and killing God's people. So that kind of genie mentality is not, God says, eh, eh, I do not think so. You won't find one instance in the Bible, in the word of God, where God has that genie type of mentality. Okay, second thing I see in verses 9 through 11 is Jesus telling us that the gifts that God has for mankind are good. They're Good. Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father was in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So is a good God going to give evil gifts to his children? Absolutely not. James says again in 1.7, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and come down, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Simply put, he wouldn't give you an evil gift because he cares for your every need. And Jesus is telling us here in this first promise that we can ask God to take care of us and provide for whatever it is that we are in need of, and he will give it to us, and he will do it with good things. That means even if you ask for something bad, you'll either A, won't get an answer at all, or B, God will show you that you're wrong in asking for that thing that he really doesn't want you to have, and you'll start praying for the right thing because God will not give you an evil gift. So enough about the asking promise. We, we've, we've got that down. Just know that you can ask and you can receive good, godly, edifying things from Jehovah God. That he even gives you that opportunity to do that is a blessing. Count your blessing. He could have said, you get nothing. Heaven is enough. You got it? Hey, suffer. Too bad. You need something? I don't care. I gave you heaven. That's enough. He didn't do that. He said, ask. And he gives all kinds of good gifts. If we don't have things, godliness, and, and good godly things coming in, then we're not asking. We need to ask. We need to be asking more of God. God, please I need more wisdom or Lord, I need more, you know, I need more truth in my life or whatever, you know, godly things that he has for you. Okay, going on to seek. Jesus tells us that if we seek the next one, we would find. Now, Jesus doesn't go into any explanation for his statement about seek and you will find. But we know that if we seek, it'll be good because God doesn't give evil gifts. 
He doesn't give bad gifts to his children. So what did he mean as far as seeking? Well, you got to go to the whole word and to other things that Jesus talked about. you got to dig a little bit more, like I told you we were going to do at Gospel Saving Church. We were going to dig more. What can we seek and what can we find? When we go to the Bible as a whole and other things that Christ says, the Bible says throughout the whole word, different places, God wants mankind to seek him. Simply. And it makes sense when you think about a relationship. I am always saying, how will God know that you are interested in a relationship with him if you don't show him? And how do you show him that you are interested in him? Well, of course, by spending the time of your busy life seeking him to find out who he is, what his interests are, and what he wants from you. That's how a regular relationship works in real life. You have to show somebody you're interested in them before they know you're interested in them, before you guys can come together and even date or even be married or anything. You've got to show people that you are interested in them. And then they'll know and then you guys can start to have a relationship. Same thing with God. Jesus says, seek, but his thing is seek and you shall find. Seek and you will find. This is how I came to the Lord. 13 or 14 years ago, I started thinking about death. Was there more? Was there any more? Oh my goodness, I don't know what happens to me when I die. So I started to seek God. And I went to His Word, and although I was working 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week, whatever I was working, I went and I sook God to see who He was. And look where it is today. Look where I am today. Jesus said, Seek and you shall find. Oh, I found all right. And I found more than I could even imagine. I found the Lord Jesus Christ. So where in the Bible does it tell us that we can seek God? Well, remember back in Matthew 6.33, just one chapter back, Jesus taught us not to worry and not to seek the things of the world. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all basically the basic necessities of life or whatever you're in need of would be added unto you. God's provision for those who seek him first and foremost and not the world. And that was our sermon we talked about, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. God wants us to seek him. Uh, John 5.44, Jesus is having a dispute with the Jewish leader, uh, with some Jewish people, and he tells them, how can you believe who receive honor from one another? He's saying, you want people to honor you. You're seeking the honor of people and not of God. He says, And he says, and you do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. By seeking the honor that comes from God, you are not trying to get the praise or honor from people. Seeking God is not being prideful. If you show God that you want Him, you're showing man or people that you don't care about their praise. Because many times when you come to God and people know that you're godly, people of the world won't have anything to do with you because now all you are is about God. Now all you are is about Jesus. So in Acts 15, 13-17, Paul comes to the church and he's been witnessing some awesome, amazing conversions, but they've been by the Gentiles. Paul was a minister to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. So he's talking about all these Gentile conversions, and all of a sudden the Jewish believers rise up and they start arguing with him. It's gotta, they got to follow the law. they got to follow the law. They, they can't just, no Gentile can be saved. They, they don't even follow the Jewish law. And they're, they're a great a great argument was raising up. So James stands up, the half-brother of Jesus, the apostle. And he says, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which is Christ Jesus, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. 
Now, non-Jewish people coming to Christ to seek Christ and getting saved is pretty simple text. Scriptures that James is referring to is, we're not going to go to them, but he was talking about Amos 9, Isaiah 11, 42, 49, Malachi 1. Just a few references where the Old Testament talks about God setting up the new tabernacle, which is Christ, which is the son of David, and that all the Gentiles, all mankind can now seek God. What does God want from people? But for people to seek Him. To seek Him. And I can't let you guys go with talking about one of my most favorite ones. It would be Acts 17, where Paul's passing through Greece. And he comes upon the Areopagans. It was this Areopagus where people got together, you know, often, and they would dispute matters and discuss different things and religious matters and all kinds of different things. And as Paul is passing through, the Bible says that it records that his spirit was provoked within him because he saw all the worthless idols. This is the church at Corinth, what it ended up being. And as he's passing through, his spirit is provoked within him, so he stops and he stops to talk to these Areopagites or Areopagus peoples. And he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worship with man's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood, one people, one person, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and their boundaries of their dwellings. So he pre-appointed Americans to be where Americans are. He pre-appointed Iraqis. He pre-appointed Iranians. He pre-appointed Germans. He pre-appointed Italians. He pre-appointed every people group to be right where they are on the face of the planet right now. Why did he do that? Verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord. In the hope, my hope, God is saying, that they may grope, which is another type of form of seeking, grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. So in fact, the Bible says as a whole that God loves people so much that he desires to reveal himself to anyone that will seek him. It's God's desire to put everybody in every place so that they may seek or grope or start to seek and grope for God and that they may find him. So if you're here and you're a Christian and you're a born-again Christian... At one point, you were questioning things. You were seeking some things. And God revealed himself to you, and then you got saved. Isn't that awesome? Yes. I love Jesus Christ so much. Isn't he so amazing? Thank you, Lord. All right, seeking, done. What about the knocking? This one really perplexed me when I first started researching. I was like, knocking? Jesus, what are you talking about? Knocking. Knocking on what? Huh? I don't understand. So as I prayed, as I sook God, as I asked God for wisdom in order to get this, what did this knocking mean? Notice I sook, which is seeking, and I asked. What did Jesus say? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. God put this section of scripture in my mind. It'd be John 10, 1 through 10. He says, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, there's a door, there's a door, but climbs up some other way, so by not using the door, climbs up another way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Uh, who's the door of the sheep gate? Jesus. And notice he referred to himself as a door. Knock, and the door will be opened 
to you. Come to Jesus and the door will be opened to you. But if you try to get in another way, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, ism, whatever ism you got out there, Jesus is the same as a thief and a robber. He'll be thrown out. But come to the door. What do you do at a door? Well, before you ever just walk into a door, you always... You knock on the door. Jesus is the door. We knock on his door. We knock on him. And he says in verse 7, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who, ever, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is the door. We have to knock on Jesus. We have to come to Jesus, and he is the door that we can knock on. That's why I said in the beginning, all those who knock on the door of God's house, he will open it to us. Interestingly enough, in Revelation 3.20, God says to, the, to one of the churches, he says, Behold, I will stand at the door and knock. Talk about our door, of course, though. And so we have a door too. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him and dine with him and he with me. So not only does God want us to seek and knock on his door, but God is also knocking on our doors. And he's saying, hey, hello, hello, I, I want in. Will you please let me in? I want to come in. And then we go on just one more, Revelation 4.1, John, or John, the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, says, After these things, talking about the things that God had just showed him, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So there's even a door in heaven. But again, that door is Jesus. And if we knock on that door, which is Jesus, what did Jesus say? What's our promise here? Knock, and it will be opened to you. And then in verse 8, to him who knocks, it will be opened. If we truly come to Jesus, and we truly knock on his door, on him, Jesus has given us a promise here saying, it will be opened to you. The salvation of God, the eternity which God offers, it will be opened to you. So in your daily life, who are you talking to, i.e. asking to guide you, bring you closer to, help in making decisions, etc.? Who are you asking who are you talking to? Because asking is a form of talking. So who are you asking and talking to daily? Who or what are you seeking out? Are you like Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said don't worry because you were seeking out all the things of this world? Or are you seeking the kingdom of God first in all his righteousness? And whose door are you knocking on daily? Whose door are you knocking on daily? Who or what do you show daily interest in? Because if you're not coming to God and inquiring of Him and talking to Him and showing Him you are interested in Him and His ways and interests, in His ways and interests, then you are showing Him that you are not wanting Him. But whatever you are interested in, that's what you're showing that you really want. Whoever you show an interest to, that's what you want. You only do what you want. What do you spend your time doing? Do you include the Lord in whatever you are doing? Work, pleasure time, eating, i.e. thanking Him 
for your food? Is God involved in every aspect of your life? Or do you just come to him and check him out on Sundays? What are you doing every day? Who are you showing your interest in every day? Are you spending time with them while you live your daily life? Or are you just consumed with whatever it is that you have going on in your life? And don't bother communing with them throughout your days. Paul exhorts believers in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. He says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's awesome whenever I come upon a scripture where God says, or where Jesus says, or where anybody says, for this is the will of God for your life. Because now we know, oh, wait, 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 what did he just say? Oh, we know one of God's will. We know something that's God's will. For Jesus said, not everyone who enters, not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but those that do the will of God. So that's why whenever anything comes up where I see that's the will of God for anybody, I go, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's your will? That's your will, God? That I rejoice always. Boy, I need help with that one. Pray for me. I need to rejoice always, no matter what it happens. Then he says, pray without ceasing. Now you say that's impossible, but wait. Can you not meditate or focus, or even have God in the back of your mind, whatever you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing throughout your day, even while you're having a conversation with somebody else. You can't take a moment and go, oh Lord, I love talking to this person. Thank you for giving this person, putting them in my life. Whatever, just something. Acknowledging God, praying without ceasing. Always keeping a communicative line open with God. And he says, and in everything, give thanks. That's even for the bad things in your life. Give thanks. For everything, give thanks. And he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, where are you at? Where are you at? Christians, spend more time with God. Calculate how much time am I spending now with the Lord and think, how can I make that relationship stronger? Because relationship is what your whole faith is built on. You have to trust in and you have to continue to commune with God at all times, off and on throughout your whole day. If you figure this, if you talked to your spouse as much as you talk to God, how good would your relationship with your spouse be? If you talked with God as much as you talked with your long-lost aunt that you don't talk to but once a year, how good is your relationship with that aunt? It's not very good. God wants to have a better relationship than that with you. A stronger one. Daily. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. All these things are things that God wants you to start doing and even continue doing all the way till death. Continuing to ask him for whatever it is that you are in need of. or whatever. I need strength every day. I need help every day to get through each day. I need patience every day. I pray for these things on a daily basis. Please, God, give me patience. And as I pray for myself, and as... God continues to answer my prayers and work in my life. I get more patience all the time. We can't be, God, I want patience and I want it now because that defeats the whole purpose of even asking for patience because I want patience and I want it now. Patience is, it's an ongoing thing. It's a longevity thing. It's making us more calm and more patient as we go along. Ask, seek, and knock throughout your days. Every day, keep coming. Keep asking. Because when you start to ask, you're going to find yourself that you can only ask for so many things when you start. You're going to end up starting to commune after you're asking. Oh, Lord, I really need help to deal with this situation. 
Oh, Lord, and you know what, Lord? Oh, Lord, I just love the ability to come before you. I find it happening to me all the time. I come before God. I'll have to I'll have something I'm in need of or something. And then before I know it, I'm just talking to God about everything that's going on in my life. Ask, and then that starts off conversation. How are you doing today? That's asking somebody something. How are you doing today, Lord? Oh, Lord, I hope you're doing great today. I hope, you, hope my life makes you smile today. You know what, Lord? I just... Love being here. Love. See how you asked for something? And then it just starts off more conversation as you keep going. Now, those that aren't, the Lord. If you can say right now that you don't show God that you are interested in Him, in His ways, by reading His Word or, or getting along with Him and speaking to Him one-on-one, -on -one, then you're in a bad place, the Bible says. Because you can't not ever come to God, or you can't only come to God at, at like a stop and go, you know, whenever you want, or like a 7-Eleven. I'll, I'll just pop in when I really, really, really need something, and then expect to have a real relationship with God. That's not what it's about. That's not having a relationship. That's kind of a on a need basis. I, I, when I desperately get in need, well, then I'll come to God. That's not what God wants. God wants a relationship with people, as we just looked at those three things. Relationships take time. If you don't give God any of your time, then you won't have a relationship with Him. But you could have one right now. You could start one right now, right where you are. You can start asking, you can start seeking, and you could start knocking. Because that's from you. That's what He wants from you anyway. Jesus said, Right here, verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who comes to God. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For everyone who seeks shall find. And everyone who knocks, the door of the sheep gate, which is Jesus, will open to you. You can have God right now, and he'll come to you if you start to ask, seek, and knock, and he'll reveal himself to you in awesome and powerful ways. It's his desire that you grope for him, Acts 17. Why are you doing it? What's stopping you? It's all uphill from there once you do it. New life in Christ, eternal life, joy now, peace now. I exhort you, please make that first step today and reach out to Jesus Christ because he is reaching out for you. What did we read in Revelation 3.20? Although that was to a church, it still goes for all mankind. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. All who opens that door to me, I will come in and I will dine with him. God's knocking on the door of your heart right now. If you know that God's knocking on the door of your heart right now, Please respond. I want to pray. I don't normally do this, but God put this on my heart today. I want to pray. If you're out there right now and you're listening and say, you know what, I don't really have a relationship with Christ. I don't really have a relationship with God. And you, that is, I want that. I want that. I want that ability. I want those promises to be mine. I want God's promises. Because all the promises are void to you if you don't take them. If you don't go get the promises, if, you, if somebody hands you a million dollars and you don't take it, the million dollars never becomes yours. It always can stay in the hand of the person that's given to you unless you take it. God is saying, I want to save everybody. Here's my salvation. Please take my salvation. Please. I want you to have it. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to pray, but I don't want to end there. I'm going to pray in a moment. A prayer of salvation is not all that God wants, though. He wants you to pray, and he wants to start out a relationship with that prayer. The prayer coming to God and just saying, God, I need you. Lord, I need you when we pray in just a moment. That's just your first step. That's like the marriage. That's like, God, I need you. And then you're coming to God, and you're getting married. You're saying, I do. To his offer, I want to marry you, my son, my daughter. But then after that, that doesn't work. God wants you to end. God wants you to go further. He wants you to get him to know more. He wants you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. 
It's not a one-time deal. So many people, I just want to get out of hell free card. God is not a get out of hell free card. He is a, I want a relationship with you. I want to come in and dine with you. I want to eat with you. I want to, I want to lay down with you. I want to sleep with you. I want, I want you to crawl on my lap. I want you to cry out to me. I want everything. I want you to come on and give me all your emotions, all your feelings. I want you to tell me everything. I want you to cry out to me. I, I want to hold you. I want you to hold me. It's a relationship. So if you're not interested in that, don't. Pray. But if you're interested in giving your life to him like a married man or woman, give their lives to one another when they get married. How they give up the single life and they come to be married. Whenever you give up a single life, that means I'm not going to live single anymore. I want to live married. If that's what you want, because that's what God wants for you, I want to pray right now and just pray along with me. And if your heart is right, which if you really want God for the right reasons, then God will come in and he'll dine with you and he'll eat with you and he'll be yours and you can be his. So let's pray and close out our service. Lord Jesus, I just uh, pray, Lord God, whoever's out there that may be wanting to know you today. And Lord, I just uh, ask that they would pray along with me right now, Lord God. And they cry out to you right now. and Just, Father God, please, I need you. I need you. Please, Lord Jesus, I want you to save me. I want to be yours. I want you to be mine. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want you to get out of hell free card. I want you to save me because I know I'm a wicked sinner. And I don't live for you. But Lord, I want to live for you starting today. I want to be able to talk with you all the time and not feel guilty about all my sin because I know I live in sin. God, please save my soul. Please save me from who I am and make me a new person. I don't want to be the same person that I am right now. I want to be a new creature. I want to be your spiritual child, not just your physical child, which is what everybody is. I want to be yours. I want a relationship with you. And Lord, I want to be faithful to you. So please, God, save me. I want to be born again. Please save my soul. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. And Lord, I I pray for that person that just prayed. And I prayed for all of us in here that I know, anybody that's listening, that is yours. And I pray, dear God, that we would grow closer to you. I pray that we would draw near and closer to you every day. And that our relationship with you would grow stronger and stronger and stronger every single day. We, we need to ask more and seek out more and keep knocking Lord, because you're so deep and you're so awesome and your love is so extravagant. I just pray that you would just draw us nearer and closer unto yourself, Lord God. By your Holy Spirit, I pray you'd winnow away all the things that get in the way of us spending more time with you, Jesus. And I pray that we would get all those things out of our lives and spend more time with you, Lord. And we'd stop having our focus on this world or anything in this world because we know that James said friendship with the world is enmity with God. And I pray, God, we would just seek and desire to be your friend and to be yours more and more. Help that to become more and more of a reality for us every day. Help us to see our desperate need for you every day more and more and more. And let us act on it instead of just seeing it. I love you, God, and I praise you, God, and I thank you, God. And I ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.